Listen to the Vibes. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Listen to the Vibes. I'm very happy to welcome Shannon Lawrence here. She is an author and a podcaster, so we're going to get to know her and have a great conversation. Shannon, tell us a little bit more about yourself. Hi. Me. Yeah, I am. I mostly was writing horror short stories. That was my forte for the last however many years. And but now I'm I'm putting out my first novel. It's my debut novel. I have short story collections and a nonfiction title out. And this one's urban fantasy. So it takes a little taste of horror, throws in more fantasy and a mystery, really. So that's been it's been fun it's been a passion project for a long time that got shelved because of real life things that made it have to be so i'm excited to finally be putting it out so and then in terms of podcasting i have a true crime primarily but we we purposely made gave ourselves some leeway so that we could talk about whatever we wanted to really it's mysteries monsters and mayhem and so we do a lot of true crime. We do some cryptids and paranormal, and then sometimes it's just mayhem. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know if you read, but I am a paranormal investigator myself, and I used to do nothing but paranormal stuff. And then a chance meeting with Adrian Paul uh, kind of changed my uh, my view and decided, hey, I needed to break out and do something different. But I do enjoy horror. And I just now really got into true crime. But what got you into all that? The, so the true crime, well, horror. Okay. Well, horror is the much older one with me. Mm-hmm. I grew up watching a lot of horror. My grandma would sneak me to horror movies. And she got caught because for some reason, my mom managed a theater. And my grandma snuck me into the cat people back in the 80s version, at my mom's theater. <laughs> she wasn't there when she got there, and then out we come walking. She's like, oh, what'd you guys go see? <laughs> yeah, okay. So horror, and introduced me to Jaws. I was so excited she was going to try and take me to Jaws 3D when it came out, and it didn't end up happening. But just stuff like that. Uh, my dad read Stephen King. I think both my parents really did, but it was kind of, those were kind of his books. And he was the one who was bigger on it. And I watched like a lot of sci-fi horror with my dad. So V and and Twin Yeah, Twin Peaks when it came out. And X-Files ultimately was when I was a teenager and into adulthood. But those were things that we watched together. So it was just kind of something I naturally went to. And I spent a chunk of my growing up time in Maryland. In Maryland, there's a ton of ghost stories because It's So I live in Colorado now. It's not as old, like in that colonial sense. So there aren't as many. It's not as rich of a a paranormal setting, really, as it was in Maryland. That was just kind of part of the culture there, it seemed like. So I got really hooked on ghost stories. And I'd go to the library and get all those books and read up on it. And there were a ton in just Washington, D.C. alone, right? So got into that. And that kind of got me into paranormal. And then the true crime is just something I, a friend sent me this thing she'd handmade and it was stay sexy, don't get murdered because again, the horror thing, right? And so <laughs> I looked it up because I was like, what is this? And it was from the podcast. Oh no, 
I just I just spaced the name of it, but people are going to recognize it if they listen to true crime and it's going to pop in any second. But it was a specific podcast and that was the thing they said to sign out. And so I started listening and I was like, I enjoy this. And then during COVID, I went, I can do this. (laughs) So I contacted a friend who we'd, we'd been doing live things in the writing world on stage together, riffing off each other and stuff and just used to hosting things. And that was all shut down. It moved to online. And so we went, I said, do you want to do this thing with me? And she said, let's do it. (laughs) And now we've been doing it. We're in season seven now. So, yeah. I used to watch horror movies when I was a kid. I will say there was one, well, it was called the Trilogy of Terror. Yes. You remember that? Yes. It had a little voodoo doll or something that came to life. and That freaked me out. Of course, I was a little kid when that came out, so I imagine it's kind of cheesy now. But, I don't know. That one impacted a lot of people. And it's always those dolls, too. That was the yeah. best. I don't even think I can remember the other two. But well, that one, everybody remembers, you know? But most horror movies didn't scare me. But when I read Stephen King's Night Shift Collection, that's the first time I read a book that I had to kind of peek around the corner when I'd walk into a room by myself. Yeah. Yeah. I love Stephen King short stories. I've I read his stuff like crazy, of course, but his short stories have always been my favorite, and that's probably why, not intentionally, but probably part of why that's what I was really doing because I enjoyed it so much, and then I was doing it. So, what was your first story that I read or that I wrote that you wrote? So I wrote some. <laughs> I was the kid in school that got the, your writing's really good. I I wonder why you write about what you write about, though. So I had, like, horror stories in there. I remember in middle school turning one in, and it was, it was animals that had turned on a man who'd been cruel to animals his whole life. It was, like, his hell. <laughs> and the animals were getting their revenge in his hell. And that's what I turned in for like a school fiction story that we had to turn in. She was like, this is really interesting. Maybe you could write something else next time. But, <laughs> but I was getting good grades on them. So it was just like, that was just what I like to write. Well, I believe that the Freddy Krueger movies, mm-hmm. those came out when I was in high school. Okay. And... I will say there was parts where that would kind of put me on the edge of my seat. But when I had kids, my youngest one, he would come in and he would watch them. And I'd tell him, you know, this is kind of scary. I don't want you to have any nightmares or anything. And he's like, no, no, I'm fine, Dad. Then for Christmas, he says, hey, Dad, can you get me all the Nightmare on Elm Street movies? Are you kidding me? I think he was it's like five or six years old. <laughs> I I don't know if I could. Did you? I did, and yeah. then the next the next Christmas he wanted a Chucky doll. Okay, that's a kid after my own heart. My my both of my kids like different kinds of horror. So with my son, we always watched like the creature features together. Mm. Tremors was a favorite. I love Tremors, but and then my daughter Alien was her 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 one that she really got hooked on. And she likes the Chucky movies. She likes, it's Meg, wait, Jennifer Tilly in that, sorry. (laughs) I 
think it's Jennifer Tilly Mm -hmm. and she really likes her. So it's always fun seeing where they go, but the both of them got that little bit, that little bit like me, but I loved the nightmare movies because they did freak me out. Cause I had a lot of, um, so I had a lot of nightmares, but not from the movies. I've never, I don't have like that sort of nightmares. They're real life nightmares. Right. But I also had sleep paralysis mm. starting from my early teen years, probably my preteen years. And so Nightmare on Elm Street, when you have night terrors and you're sleeping in the basement alone, and everybody's two floors above you in your house. I was the oldest of five, so I claimed that basement room to get space, right? But that that got me. And now, of course, it's just funny, but I loved those movies. Yeah. I'm comedian David Race in Los Angeles. I host a celebrity-filled paranormal talk show like no other. Monstrosity has great guests answering weird questions. You won't believe the combo of celebrities and paranormal experts who've been on this show. I guarantee you'll like Monstrosity, or you get your time back. Go to monstrositypodcast.com right now and take a look. Let's talk about the true crime. What, what exactly do you do when you do the true crime? Do you go out and do your own investigating or how does that work? So I do online research for the most part. And this week I, ha- I have a friend. The writer world is a small world and you get people from all kinds of backgrounds, right? And one of my friends in the writing world is an ex-FBI profiler. So he's actually, we're recording with him this weekend. So he'll be my march guest and i'm looking forward to that so that'll be fun because but then i got to get everything right <laughs> i have to get it he, he won't be mean but i'll be inviting him to correct anything and to have his commentary on that but we each each the co-host and i and a guest pick up story and just do our research on that and find what we can we're pretty good about if, it, if we're not finding it consistent, if it doesn't seem like a valid fact or something like that, then we'll either leave it out or we'll say, so I saw this repeatedly, but I don't know if this is true. Like, we, <laughs> I don't want to blow anything up. I want it to be as honest as possible. So that, yeah, that's what we do. And there's been times like my co-host gets, has all these people because she wasn't even into true, true crime to begin with, but her daughter is major into true crime. So, but both of her daughters will send her clips and her friends will send her newspaper clippings and stuff. And then she'll go and look that up and yeah, just, we're just doing it for fun. We're not journalists or anything like that. And we make sure that people know that we're not journalists, but we're pretty much two cussy Gen X women. (laughs) Her kids are grown and out. My kids are teenagers. So there's a lot from all that too. (laughs) Yeah, when it comes to teenagers, you sometimes feel like you're going to be on a true crime podcast for the wrong reason. (laughs) What's your favorite aspect of doing the the true crime? Do you like the serial killer stuff or? I will say that that's where I lean because that's stuff that I was reading about from teenage years on. I read the John Douglas books, uh, Mindhunter, 
the TV series was based off of that and his group. And he was, it was his group that trained my friend that we're going to be having on the podcast. So my friend was in the first class through that profiling school that they ended up creating to start training profilers. But yeah, I lean towards serial killers. My, I have a background and just say I was not old enough to have any memory of this, but it was something I heard about when I was older and then was like, ooh, I'm going to look into this. But when I was probably about three, I was in the car when a serial killer came after my mom. What? Yeah. And again, I don't have a memory of it. I'm not going to blow that up and say I do when I don't, but she got away and she the reason she knew who it was, he had been harassing her on the phone, which was his MO. And he was the little brother of one of her childhood friends. And that is why he'd come after her. So that's why she knew who it was afterwards. I think is, what is his name? William Scott Smith. She always called him Scotty because that's how she knew him, Scotty. And so I eventually looked it up because she didn't remember his whole name and just kind of looked up. I knew that he'd thrown a body in the Willamette River. And so I was able to use that and Scott to look him up and found him. And he's in, he's in prison, of course. But yeah, that was kind of, you, you hear that when you're a certain age and you're like, what? And so, yeah, I got really hooked on reading about serial killers and profiling and stuff when I was a teenager and that never fully went away. Uh, I don't believe in glamorizing serial killers, but I also I'm fascinated with psychology and that's, that's a huge area. Like how do people end up like this? How do they get where this is something they enjoy? And I think that's a really hard thing for people to wrap their brains around if they're not like that. (laughs) They're not that twisted. If I have a story that involves either kids or the elderly, or if it's just a really torturous, you know, if, if terrible things were done, to somebody, then I go first. <laughs> and my co-host tends to bring lighter stuff to the, to follow it with. But then sometimes I do lighter stuff. But f- for example, she did uh, a maple syrup heist that happened. There was a whole heist around maple syrup. That is a money thing. And I did one on cheese theft. Parmigiano Reggiano is apparently one of the, the cheese period is one of the top things stolen from grocery stores <laughs> but their parmigiano reggiano is expensive it only comes from one region you're not nobody else can make genuine parmigiano reggiano unless they're from that region and so yeah it, there was a heist <laughs> in fact there were several heists of people getting ripped off of that so like we'll do lighter stuff like that too and just because it was a personal interest of mine i did say billy the kid and stuff around him too. Throw in some historical lighter stuff. And I see, so I see a kiss behind you. How do you yes. feel about Alice Cooper? I love Alice Cooper. Oh, good. So this is just kind of fun. I had a short story come out in an anthology, so all different authors, and mm-hmm. it was Alice Cooper themed. All of our stories were based off of Cooper songs, and the proceeds are all going to his chair charity. I'm trying to remember the name of it. It's Rock school school rock something like that he has a charity in phoenix arizona with his wife so mm-hmm. that's just kind of fun because i saw that poster behind you but that was really fun to write so i was just going through watching videos music videos of him on stage which is awesome right have you ever gotten to go to a concert i want to go 
because I've, I've never got to see him in concert, but he's supposed to be coming with Rob Zombie. <sighs> and I've been to Rob Zombie before. And with them two together, I can only imagine how good it's going to be. Yeah, that's going to be a show. <laughs> but he's he's been in kind of the public sphere in a lot of positive ways, too. So love yeah. that. So what's the mayhem? The mayhem. So... I think I had Billy the Kid fall under mayhem, and I'm trying to think of another because, yes, it was crime, but there's a lot to that. <laughs> there's a lot of reasons why that was the way it was. And he got built up bigger than he was, of course. And I think I discovered him when I was in middle school and Young Guns came out. But just things like that, just fun things that we can find. And for example, she just, my co-host just did a piece on Shen Yun that travels around and does the ancient Chinese dance. It turns out that's not true, but <laughs> it's so stuff like that. There's a cult behind it and everything and that people wouldn't know unless you've looked that up or you've heard about it for some reason. And that it was funny because the same week that we released that at home, I got the the advertisements for it. They sent out like a whole brochure and I got that right after we recorded that and i was like that's weird <laughs> <laughs> now the paranormal part of it do you have paranormal investigators come on i haven't yet i i had a friend in alberta who had a paranormal investigation group and so i want to have her on my problem is that our guests are always authors so i've got to find somebody who does both <laughs> who has something who is a, an author and has that, but we might just have to break the rules because honestly, we break the rules all the time. So, <laughs> but yeah, I'd like to, for local writing stuff, we had a paranormal investigator come and do some fun stuff at a conference one year. So we have a lot around here because I don't want to make it sound like Colorado has no paranormal. That's not yeah, you true. you got the Stanley Hotel. I, we've got that. And I stay there. I used to stay there every year because it would get really cheap in like February for locals. So you'd get a local discount on top of it being cheaper because a lot of people weren't going there in winter. And that changed the last few years. But for a while, I was going every February and staying up there for a few days and just riding and walking into town from there. But the Stanley is awesome. I love the Stanley. And of course, there's a huge history with all kinds of things around there. A lot of it is pioneer based here, right? And uh, Native American massacre based and all that stuff. So we've got that energy. We've got the paranormal. It's just maybe a little different than it is in Maryland. Have you gone on any paranormal investigations yourself? Just the just the one. And it was with a kind of bigger group. So we went around the hotel and we're supposed to get to go into this hotel basement and the hotel decided that it couldn't happen because they're afraid of the liability. So we didn't get to go down there where it was supposedly really haunted, you know? And so it was still a lot of fun and we still got to see a bunch of stuff. And I've done the tour at the Stanley. I've done a paranormal tour there. That one's really cool. Now, do you teach writing? I do workshops. Mm -hmm. uh, so I've mostly done it at conferences. I've did uh, several online during kind of the the peak societal peak of COVID, I guess is the best way to put it when everything was shut down. And yeah, I really enjoy it. I teach a lot on horror because it's just not a super common genre. It's not mm -hmm. a lot of us in actual horror. 
and I like to teach the principles of it, but I do a lot of other types of workshops too. I I really like it, which is funny because I'm a major introvert. <laughs> I guess probably an ambivert is proper, and it freaked me out at first, but then I was running events. I was running a monthly event where I brought in a speaker, so I have a history of this, right? So that's something I'm familiar with. But starting that was really stressful and freaked me out. But I got to know more and more people. And then it became a lot easier. And then all of a sudden, I liked it. <laughs> so yeah, I think that's also part of the podcast is suddenly I wasn't on stage and getting to do all this. And so the podcast kind of filled that niche for both of us. You get a lot of people that say, I want to write, but I don't know how to write. A lot of people who say that. And a lot of people who say, I want to write and I don't have time to write. And that's probably the most common. And so I've actually yeah, done workshops on, all right, how can you make the time? Because uh, I'm a mom of teens. One of my teens is autistic. I have, I have a day job. <laughs> I have the podcast and I'm a published author. So there's, there's always going to be, I'm not going to say always, because that's not true. Everybody's life is different, but in most cases, there's a way to do it, but you might not be moving very fast. And the thing is, that's okay. It, it's really bad for people to see somebody who writes really fast and think that they're supposed to be writing that fast. I have friends who are multi-published, who are award winners, who write really slow. And there, there's so many different ways to write and there's so many different ways to approach it and so many different lives that I think it's really just getting through that mindset that you're supposed to be sitting down like Stephen King. His big thing is I sit down, I write eight hours a day or whatever it is. So of course he's milling stuff out. That's a ton of writing time. Most people don't get to do that. <laughs> I certainly don't get to do that, but I have always been a sprint writer. Maybe it's the ADHD, maybe it's something else, but if I sit down, I will get a ton of words down in a short space, but then I don't get that space every day. And I don't even necessarily get that space every week, or sometimes I'll have a good week and get a lot of writing days in. It just really depends. But once I do, it's been milling around in there so much that it just kind of pours out and everybody's different. So, yeah. Well, what about the person that says that they can't write? I think, so it depends on then why it is they're wanting to write. And sometimes I feel like people feel like they should or they should want to for some reason. I don't know what that is societally. And if it's not something, my thing is, I think you should enjoy it. Mm -hmm. And so I, I like to switch things up. That's what I, I, I do that. And I've done that the whole time. And I challenge myself and I take on things that terrify me. And because I don't want to get bored with it and I don't want it just to be a job because I don't think creative things should be. They should be fun. And when they stop being fun, you shouldn't be doing it. So again, I come back to, it really depends why they think they want to write and do they really want to write? And is it something they'd enjoy? And, but if truly they think that they would enjoy it and they want to do it, then often I'd recommend starting with journaling. And that's actually a pretty common recommendation, I think for that, because just free flow writing, just sit down and set a timer for five minutes and see what happens in five minutes. And then set a timer for 15 minutes and see what happens in that. And if you just free flow it and start saying, well, I'm going to start journaling and you start having other thoughts and maybe you get some creative thoughts and you start writing that, then that might get you somewhere too. 
How often do you do your podcast? It was weekly. And mm-hmm. I already said, right, I have I have a day job and this and this. I finally had to kind of put my foot down. And we went to once a month. So it comes out the 15th of every month now. So there's some consistency there. Used to be every Wednesday. So every little once in a while on a Tuesday or Wednesday, I have like a heart attack and go, I didn't, I didn't edit the podcast because I was also, I'm also the one editing it and doing our social media. So yeah, I needed to reel it back. But yeah, once a month on the 15th. And so we always have a guest now. It used to be, we just have an occasional guest. And so since we went to once a month, we're making that one longer. And that way people can listen to say, if there's three of us telling a story, they can listen to one story, listen to the second one the next day so they can spread it out however they want. And that gives us a little space. Where can people listen to your podcast? So Mysteries, Monsters, and Mayhem is available wide on all the podcast platforms. So uh, Spotify and iHeartRadio and Pandora are some of the more common ones. Mm-hmm. I think Spotify tends to be the one a lot of people go to. And then, and my books can be found at thewarriormuse.com. So they're available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and all of this, but that's a one-stop shop. I have a tab with all my publications, easy to find. I figured that's the easiest information to give out. So the new book comes out in March. Yeah. March 26. It's called Mythstalker Wendigo Nights. And it is under my real name, Shannon Lawrence. I know sometimes there's pen names, so I'm excited about it. <laughs> and you, well, you gave the website. What, what's your social media? I I will say I'm primarily on Instagram and Facebook, and hmm. it's the Warrior Muse. And so I can always be found under that on Facebook. It's my name and the warrior muse because I had branded myself so heavily on my blog, on my website that it, I couldn't remove it. (laughs) That's like best practices. As you go by your name as an author, you get your name for the website and all of that. But I, whoops, (laughs) branded myself differently. So I don't roll with it, but yeah. The And I have links to all of my social media and like my Amazon author page and all of that on my website too. I try and make everything gettable because I used to book authors, so I knew what I needed from them. <laughs> <laughs> I will put all the links in the description to make it easy for folks to find you. Shannon, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. This was fun. And also want to thank all you folks out there. If you are new to the channel, I hope you'll come back. Hit that subscribe button for my regulars. You guys are awesome because you make it possible for me to do this. Until the next one, everyone, please take care. Be kind to one another. God bless and peace. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Listen to the Vibes. You can catch us on Buzzsprout or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And on YouTube. Follow us on Facebook at The Vibes Broadcast Network. 